You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we're joined by our very special guest, Josh. How's it going, Josh? Well, I don't know how special I am, but I appreciate it. But Well, well I mean, for those people who don't know, um, what is... Uh, what is your relationship with Star Trek? How'd you get involved in it? Are, are you a Star Trek fan and, and all that good stuff? Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, grew up watching the original series with my, my dad. And then when TNG premiered, I was in the first grade, six years old, and I was hooked. And uh, it's pretty much shaped me into the uh, uh, maladjusted dork uh, that I am today. We, we know you from... Uh, your your commentaries on, on the soulless minions of uh, orthodoxy. Yep, which in itself is a Star Trek reference. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, where, where you do you do audio commentaries for movies and and uh, where where can uh, people find that show? Uh, well, on iTunes, like every other podcast on the planet, and soullessminions.libsyn.com. But, uh, you know, after doing a, a couple commentaries with you for things such as Star Trek Nemesis and Lower Decks and various other uh, Star Trek things which people can find either on your site or on our site, at one point you were like, hey, I want to do a Star Trek podcast. And you, you, asked, you asked me if, if I wanted to be involved with it. And at the time I was like planning a wedding and I had absolutely no free time at all. And I was like... I'd, I'd, you know, love to do that, but I can't, you know, like I'll come on or whatever. And then that, that show eventually became the Delta Quadrant, which, uh, was, was quite popular and, and everything. And, and at one point, you know, we, we filled in for, for you guys. And that's where we met like Colin and, and Charlene and all this other stuff. You right. know, then that's, that's how I met all of the, the Trek FM people, which may be a little, ironic seeing is how the delta quadrant is now on um trek mate but whatever you know <laughs> so so we have you to thank for this show or you to blame for this the Cardassian show. Empire. I, i'm always willing i'm always more willing to accept blame <laughs> so i'll take that <laughs> today we're starting up a new series uh this one it's it's our big uh season ending arc <laughs> we started the season by looking at uh, the work of of gene roddenberry as a television creator and we figured that we would end it with uh the last guy who created a, a Star Trek show, and that would be Branham Braga. And we're going to look at uh, what he has done as a television creator. So uh, today we are going to cover his work on Star Trek. Let's just start by, by what our opinions of, of him in general as a Star Trek creator. Josh, are you a Branham Braga fan? Sure. I'm a fan of anyone who uh, is prolific in their work, even if it's considered to be good or not. And specifically, uh, what what do you like about Braga or Braga's episodes? Do you have like a a general thing? Like if you see like, oh, Brandon Braga wrote this episode. Like, do you have a certain level of expectation or? No. Give me a reference to a. Can you give me a, a TNG episode he may have written that was considered bad? Bottom of the barrel, Braga. I mean, like the thing which he is notoriously, you know, uh, known for is Threshold. Well, that was. The most fun I had recording for the Delta Quadrant was when we reviewed that episode. Not because 
I think it's bad, but because there's this stigma going around about it that it's the worst Star Trek episode ever made, that it's even worse than Spock's brain or something. I'm like, what? It's not bad. It's silly. It, it's it's enjoyable. I think it's it's an easy target because it's so goofy. But there are plenty of episodes out there which are far less watchable. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you look at this list. I mean, I know that people really tend to hate on Brandon Braga, which he is completely aware of, and we can get into that later on. But, you know... You wonder what that must do to someone's personality, you know, when, they're, when, they're, when their work is out in the open like that and it's so heavily criticized. How they yeah. can get, you know... You know he's talking talked about? about that. He's yeah. like, you know, he's talking about, he's like, I've written 111 of these things. And the one that anyone ever wants to talk about is Threshold. He's like, yeah, it was terrible. You know, we dropped the ball, but we made 111 of these things. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in there, too. And, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I've told this story about how I saw him at a convention. Yeah. And, you know, he was up on stage and he's talking and talking. And then um, at one point he stops and he says... I just saw someone come into the room, say, is that Brandon Braga? And then turn around and leave. Oh. And it's like, you know, I mean, he's got a sense of humor about it. And to me, you know, and I, I, my impression of Brandon Braga is, yeah, of course he's made some crappy episodes, but he's made a lot of really good episodes, too. Yeah. In fact, he's made some of my favorite episodes. And I can't hate on the guy um, because... I, I I think that Star Trek is better f- for having him than than uh, than for not having him, and and I also think that a, a lot of it comes from uh, comparing him to his old writing partner Ron Moore. It's like you've got you know Bra- Braga and Moore. They were a team. They had done a lot of stuff together, and um, you know after Next Generation and the movies, you know Moore went to Deep Space Nine and Braga went to Voyager, and it's like. Well, obviously, if you compare anyone to Ron Moore, it's not going to be favorable because Ron Moore is quite possibly the best television writer in history. So, you know, yeah, but that doesn't mean that Braga's bad. Maybe, but that's but that 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 is still ranking them on like a very linear scale. You're saying like Ron Moore is a better writer, and I don't agree with that. I think he's better at a certain type of thing, and, and, and even even more so, better it, at serialized drama. And, and maybe maybe that's sure. even even more so. You know what I mean? But it's like you're stacking the deck. I mean, Braga has the deck stacked so far against him that he he could never win. And if you look at the writing partner, if you look at Ron Moore versus Brandon Braga, and you look at where they went, and you think that Ron Moore went off to BSG and Braga went on to create Enterprise, Braga seems to be much more creative. Yeah. He seems to be the guy that comes up with crazy ideas and tries to make them work. And, you know, like, Ron Moore had a, a few really good ideas. But, I mean, in terms of just raw creativity, I mean, I, I, I give the award to Braga. So, so Max, what, what are your thoughts on, on Braga in general? Well, you know, when, when you're deep in the, in the world, you know, like, like my, my intermittent, you know, frustration with Rick Berman, like, it, it's very similar in that, you know, like, I focus on the things that bug me. Mm-hmm. But like ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, I you know if you know if if the chips were down and the zombies were on the attack, and like you know I was standing there next to like Brandon Braca and like random other person, I'd be like, "Have no fear, Brandon. I shall protect you." <laughs> well, let's just take a look at uh you know sort of what Brandon Braga's uh, Star Trek career entailed. For those who don't know, I think we're gonna hit mainly the the high points, sort of the landmarks in his career, mm-hmm. at least as as I see them. Uh, well, let's just start with his very first episode, which was Reunion, 
I, I did like this episode, uh, a good solid start to Braga's career. And like looking at, you know, the other episodes that he did in Next Generation, most of them were pretty good. You know, he did the game, which, you know, we actually did a commentary on. I think we were all big fans of that. I Ca- really am not a big fan of that. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you were a big fan were, of it. <laughs> cause and effect, uh, which I, I like quite a bit. I know that Max has problems with it. Um, and I mean, like cause and effect is something which I think is very exciting. Now, I mean, we can talk about that. The fact that uh, one of the, the trademarks in, in Braga's career is time travel. People always bring up the fact that he seems obsessed with time travel, or, or maybe he just uses it as a, as a crutch. And I know that, Max, you've been rather critical about the way that he uses time travel in most instances. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, I, I think he doesn't understand it. I think time travel is its a tricky thing. I mean, you can make it work for yourself in whatever context you're using it. You just have to abide by your own rules, right? Well, no, because, I mean, there are rules of basic causality that we are all aware of in life. I mean, if you go back in time five minutes, walk into the room and say, hey, I'm from the future, that did not happen to you right now. Well, I mean, I I think, you know, having heard uh, both sides of this argument, you know, numerous times, I think that I can, I see where both of you are coming from, you know, and what Max is talking about, and this sort of became crystal clear for me when I was listening to him talk about Back to the Future. Back to the Future, you know, is a movie which I never had any problem with the time travel in until Max broke it down and said, look, do you see why this doesn't work? And then, you know, once he explained it, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that you're right. That logically, if you think about it logically, it doesn't work. But the other, the other side of that, you know, where, where Josh is coming from, and which is probably, I fall in, in, in the middle, I guess, you know, you, you've got to take into account, you know, the way that you're telling the story and the effect that you're going for and whether or not, you know, part of, you know, bending and breaking these rules is whether or not, you know, the audience is going to be forgiving of, you for doing so and like if you look at back to the future i think that's one of the best movies ever made and they are able to get away with it because of sort of the package that they wrap it in and i recently saw an interview with brandon braga which i think was done for trek core or something like that where they talked to him about time travel and you know why he keeps on going back to it and his whole thing you know which he pretty much flat out said was that he does not really care about the 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 physics of time travel, the mechanics of it, mm-hmm. he's much more interested in it on a metaphorical level. And when you, you think about that, think about that idea, that, you know, I mean, maybe you could say that he's being sloppy with it and that he could come up with it, you know, but but the fact of the matter is lots of the stuff that he, he does, you know, using time travel as a storytelling device allows him to tell um a certain type of story. And the point that he's trying to get across, I think he oftentimes successfully conveys. The the first, you know, sort of uh, really, really high-profile episode which he wrote with Ron Moore was All Good Things. All Good Things makes sense time travel-wise. There's only one plot hole in it. Okay, so there you go. He, he, he nailed it with All Good Things. Well, Josh, what did you think about All Good Things? I thought it's excellent. It's one of the best episodes of the, the whole series. I think it was just a great send off uh, to the to the series. Uh, the way to the, they got all the characters involved. Yeah, it was. I mean, considering it was time travel and it was tricky, they managed to pull it off very successfully. And Max, 
when I first watched it, I was like, that's incredibly complicated. And that was part of the my my you know obsession with time travel. I was very interested in how they did it. And the deeper you analyze that, the more sense it makes. And and I remember realizing like like a year after a year after it aired. I was sitting there talking about the time travel and how it made sense. And I was like, so like in the past, it's a different timeline. In the future, it's a different timeline. It's a timeline from, from a, like that's apart from the present where they're in. The, and I was like, oh my God, it's a Christmas Carol. I never thought about that, but yeah. I, I agree that it is a, an excellent episode. Um, I, I've, I've always enjoyed it quite a bit, but at the same time, and I've talked about this before, but I, I always uh, kind of don't like the fact that they tie it into Encounter at Farpoint. I mean, it makes absolute perfect sense, you know, in, in terms of bookending and everything. It's just that... You just don't want to I, remember it? I dislike Encounter at Farpoint so much. And every time I watch All Good Things, I feel like I need to watch Encounter at Farpoint first. You're an Encounter at Farpoint Why? Oh. I, it's almost like it's a it's a part two kind of thing, you Whoa. know? I don't so, like, I have trouble enjoying All Good Things on its own, and yet I have trouble enjoying it because I have to watch Encounter at Farpoint, and I have trouble Farpoint? enjoying Encounter well, at Farpoint. Uh, you're, you're alone in that. I mean, I never have any desire to watch Encounter at Farpoint. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so after that... Uh, you know, Brandon Braga continued his Next Generation uh, career with uh, the first two movies, you know, the first one being Star Trek Generations, which, again, he co-wrote with, with Ron Moore. Uh, Josh, are, are you a fan of Generations? No, not okay. at all. Uh, there there are some decent things in there, but it's uh, overall, it's just a really weak cinematic effort. I think only stands up by the fact that it was the first movie. It's It's very forgettable. Max, what about you? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, like I, when I when I first saw it, I, I I had really really mixed feelings, and then gradually over the years, my feelings have become very very, you know, oh well. Yeah, I mean, to to me, you know, I've said this many times, but Generations is you know very near and dear to my heart. It was the first Star Trek movie you saw in theaters, right? First one I saw in theaters. First movie I saw in theaters for all intents and purposes. Okay. If you want to look at it in a certain That's way. Crazy. I love Generations. And, you know, I, 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 I think it, like, I legitimately think it's better than all good things. Um, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of good that I see in Generations, but more than anything, it, you know, sort of made me fall in love with the uh, the wonder of the the big screen, and and uh, for, for that, uh, you know, I will for, forever be grateful of that movie. And I mean, you you want to you want to talk about Brandon Braga and like any problems that you may have with his work? He wrote like the movie which got me into movies, so I can't, you know, I I have to love the guy for that. So after after the success of uh, Generations, uh, they brought success in quotation marks. <laughs> they brought Braga and and Moore back to write First Contact, which is easily the most successful and most well acclaimed of the Next Generation movies. Yeah, Josh, what are your feelings on First Contact? It's pretty cool. I remember uh, uh, being you know really jazzed to see it, of course, when it came out, and. Of course, Max's expectations were incredibly high because I was really disappointed by Generations. Um, but with First Contact, it was just... I was on board the whole time. It just kept getting better. It's not real thick on story. It doesn't need to be. It's just an action-adventure. Involved uh, the best one of the best elements uh, from the show, the Borg. Um, 
when the Borg were actually cool. It was it was neat. Yeah, Max, what are, what are your thoughts on? Uh, you know, I I I was looking forward to it. I suppose. Oh, you didn't um, like it? No, I I like when when I when I went to see it. I remember I remember very I remember very vividly being worried. And then when the Borg Queen showed up, I, I I remember thinking I might have to hate this. All right, all right, but come on, man, it's it's fun, isn't it? It's fun. No, no, it isn't. It isn't fun to me when I'm watching a movie and and like every time somebody's shooting at something, my thought process is they are not doing anything that matters right now. Like this this action sequence doesn't make any sense. Okay, like, there's no reason for those Borg to be shooting at those guys. Okay, okay, Max, just bring yourself down to to the rest of. <laughs> the world turn off your brain and just don't don't think so much about it just try to have a good time uh, yeah i understand but i mean like the level of of, of like re- re- absurdity in that movie i would accept from like spinal tap uh in in the, the context of star trek the borg's spinal actions <laughs> the borg's actions are so insane i don't understand why like people in people in the theater were not confused because they literally change their their plan every scene. Okay, okay, I, I'm going to stop you guys again here because uh, again, this is another one of those cases where I have heard this argument before, and you know, I am of the opinion that you tend to look at movies from a very Vulcan point of view. You Thank know, you. You are very a very logical thinker. You are are not ruled by emotion when it comes to movies. You, have, Thank you. in many instances said. That you don't care about how a movie makes you feel. Are you trying to seduce me? <laughs> People like me and Josh are much more willing to forgive uh, logical flaws in a movie as long as the emotion behind it, you know, ha- helps to get the point across. You know, and that's that's the end goal is what the point is. You know, at least to me, yeah. a, a big point with First Contact, I think, a, a very very calculated point was to make this a fun movie, a much a much more fun movie than Generations was. And I yeah. think on that level they succeeded because when I watched that movie, you know, back when it came out and when I watch it today, I have a lot of fun watching that movie. So after after the movies and everything like that, after, you know, he he and after Next Generation, he went off to work on Star Trek Voyager. Mm-hmm. And after four years on Voyager and sort of slowly creeping his way up the ranks of the writing staff, he, 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 was, he was handed the reins to the show in season five. And he was the, the showrunner for seasons five and six. Now, Josh, you're probably more familiar with Voyager than, than any of us. What, what, what are your thoughts on, on the Braga years of Voyager? I think the show went in, in a direction in season four when they brought Jerry Ryan on. It brought in that whole Borg thing, which they exploited to the extreme. But they did have a lot of standalone episodes that were good. So I think the years he had uh, had the reins were fine. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, I, I you know, I come from... You know the the point of view of somebody who watched the original series in its entirety, and then the next generation from day one. And you know, I was so in the world that at the time when Voyager began, I like I was in I was infuriated by the format and the 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 Star Trekiness of the show. I mean, like there are episodes where they are so dead on to their format, and the characters are so cutesy and perfect that I couldn't I couldn't deal with it, and and it was it was very frustrating and. With some distance, I, I I revisited the show, and and approaching it without that you know deeply in in born desire to you know change things up and see something new, 
uh, I, I was able to like recognize that the show was doing a lot of things that were very new and it was actually exploring some really cool stuff. And, and that's like the thing that I really like about that show is that it was, it was doing the thing that Star Trek had sort of like sort of forgotten with Deep Space Nine. And, and I was, and I lamented the loss of the, um, strange, weird idea that we're going to explore for an episode that uh, has never been done on TV before and maybe has never been done, period. And those were the episodes that I really responded to. And a lot of those were, you know, Bragg's like, stuff. I mean, a lot of his stuff was out there weird sci-fi ideas. And that's what I what I, what I I loved in, in the original series. And uh, and that, uh, the, the loss of that in Deep Space Nine was frustrating. And seeing it in Voyager is really nice because... It is a part of Star Trek that I would that I would I would be sad if it was lost permanently. You know, I, I uh, you know obviously I'm not a huge fan of Voyager, and you know while I do on the whole enjoy the series, just I don't enjoy it as much as the rest of Star Trek. Um, you know, I, I I always thought that the first few seasons were a little weak, and then once uh, Seven of Nine came on board, it did get substantially better. It's uh, one of those weird things where, you know, I think they brought her on for obvious ratings reasons and uh, sort of one little side effect, which maybe no one counted on or maybe they slipped by. And I think Braga had a lot to do with it is the fact that she was the most compelling character on the show after sort of, you know, very, very, you know, hesitantly working my way for through the first three se- seasons, I became like, very engaged in season four. And uh, I thought that season four and season five and season six were very, very good. And, you know, like I said, you know, just a minute ago, I think that Braga had, had a huge uh, part to do with that. Obviously, you know, season five and season six, it was his show, but season four... You know, you look at like the episodes that he wrote during that season and everything. It, he was definitely sort of taking more and more control of the series and pushing it into a certain direction. And I don't think that it's necessarily a coincidence that once he left to go develop Enterprise, and you know, in season seven, it was handed off to someone else. The the show took a bit of a dip, and uh, you know, as much as Voyager is the show that uh, everyone loves to hate on. Um, and Braga is the writer that everyone loves to hate on because of his association with Voyager. I think that, um, you know, the stuff that Braga did on Voyager is legitimately good. And, and after that, I mean, you know, having been the, the head writer on, you know, the only Star Trek show for, you know, a year even, he was, uh, hired to co-create the new Star Trek show with uh, Rick Berman, which became Enterprise, uh, and this would be the first of two uh, shows that he created for television. So, Josh, what what do you think about Enterprise? Are you are you an Enterprise fan? Yeah, I think it's a great show. Uh, I know people had, uh, well, still to this day, a lot of problems with the. Uh, oh, they didn't, you know, do the, they didn't do the the what they were supposed to do, you know, introduce, introduce us to make it a true prequel, you know, introduce us to the elements that made the original series until the fourth season. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I think their first two seasons were good. Uh, I mean, uh, season three had the whole Zindi thing, which was an interesting experiment. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, it's not a season that you can go back and watch particular episodes because they're so interwoven. You know, you kind of have to watch it from beginning to end. 
season four, you know, I'll agree is probably their strongest though. I mean, that's when they started bringing in those things that we wanted, but I don't want to discount everything that came before. Cause it's not like it wasn't a good show. Max. Every time enterprise comes up, the same narrative is presented. Seasons one and two were boring. Seasons three and four were really good. And I feel like seasons one and two were definitely boring. And season three and four were um, a horrible thing done to Star Trek as a franchise. The the show that had started as, as you know having a philosophical point of view and having interesting ideas and, and new ways of looking at things and, and a rather enlightened and intellectual approach to conflict resolution embraced violent solutions to all conflicts and uh, an extremely childish view of self and group identity. (laughs) Okay. I, I'm, I, I never picked up on that. I mean, I guess I can kind of see that with uh, season three, but I think that it was, it became, you know, sort of a a philosophical, um, you know, and started asking hard questions that Star Trek, you know, oftentimes didn't and maybe coming up with solutions, which, uh, Star Trek normally wouldn't. After 9-11, the show jumped on board with the idea that when attacked, you respond with violence. And it informed the rest of the, so- the rest of the show. The rest of the series was informed by that logic. In fact, Archer at some point, like, just starts saying, like, you know, I didn't want to do this, but, you know, they attacked us, so we attacked them. It's a harsh universe. You got to fight back. But but I think that, you know, like, as it continues, you start to see, like, an arc and, you know, maybe there's some realization that, you know, there's more to it than that. And, and but it, they never behave that way. And the show never well, recognizes I, No, that. I mean, I think, I think that they do. I think that, you know, like, once you see, like, what, what the, the motivations are behind the Zindi and everything like that, you see that there's... There's more to it than just, you know, they attacked us, we attacked them. I mean, I don't remember the specifics, but it definitely is much more complicated than, you know, no, it initially not, appears not to be. No, not on like, just like a raw narrative level. I'm saying that, that the people making the show never presented stories that, that had conflicts that were resolved in intelligent and enlightened ways. Like, literally, their, their resolutions always involved some sort of violent action and and there are actually episodes that like were explicitly dealing with the idea of like torture and the show ultimately came down on the side of like sometimes you've got to torture are you just talking about in the la- in the latter seasons yeah, yeah. season three and four because okay. that's where the show shifted the show shifted very dramatically at the end of season two it became a different series and i think that the the core thing of star trek of being a show about ideas became perverted by people who had very conservative well, and I, violent I, aggressive ideas. I don't think any politics had anything to do with it. I mean, I think it was just them the, commenting on the fact that in the first two seasons they were very naive. But then, you know, they pushed themselves too quickly, too fast, and uh, too hard, too fast. And when they got out into the universe, they found out that, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that do want to do you harm. Not everyone wants to meet you and be friends. I mean, it's the type of thing where I, I mean, I, I do think that I would have to watch it again. I, I did not pick up on that at the time, but I mean, it's also, you know, I guess in some ways indicative of the time. There were a lot of people who felt that way. And perhaps if the show was being made now, you know, looking at it with some distance, you know, it, it wouldn't be the same. Well, you know, you could be right, Max. You know, I mean, Star Trek has done that. I mean, science fiction does that. It'll comment on the present by setting the story in the future. And they did that in the yeah. original series. I mean, yeah, maybe they did do that. I don't know. I wasn't and thinking about it when I watched it. For for me, I mean, like I... Uh, um, 
I, I think that the early uh, seasons uh, suffer from a lot of what uh, Voyager suffered from, you know, I mean, franchise fatigue, you know, as they call it, you know, the um, idea that uh, they were kind of treading water. I, I, I thought that, uh, you know, they had a great concept coming out of the gate and uh, the first two seasons was just kind of like the same old Star Trek that we had always seen, just with like kind of a slightly different, from a slightly different angle. And then when season three came about and they decided to do like a, a season-long arc, I thought that that was a really interesting idea. And I thought that it was a really good arc. And in season four, you know, when they decided to, to do these mini arcs, which would, you know, look at uh, the history of, of Star Trek, uh, I, I was really on board with that. And I think that, you know, a lot of them are varying degrees of quality, but I thought that, you know, a, a lot of the stuff was really excellent. So I think that it was a show which, you know, just like all the other shows, took some time to grow. And once it grew, it became something which was uh, really interesting. And whether or not it has, you know, sort of a, a right-wing agenda, which is which is in there, it's quite possible. You know, like a lot of things, you know, from, from that time period did. And I think that, if anything... You know, it's it's a reflection of of the time that uh, that the show was created, and you know, a reflection of the people who were creating it. And you know, while I don't necessarily agree with that point of view, I I think that uh, it is interesting to uh, see a show from that point of view. And um, I don't think that uh, the the politics behind it makes it like inherently bad um and i think that they're you know even even if i don't agree with the politics behind it i can still ap appreciate uh you know the other stuff that they were doing well anyway i think that braga did a good job regardless of creating that show when you like he's been on twitter lately and you know he's he's uh dropped a few little tidbits about like what his what their original intent for the show was and uh you know, kind of how they had to modify it uh, in order to appease the, the network and the studio. And, you know, he's talked about, I think there was an idea where, like, season one was going to be earthbound. You know, they weren't going to launch until, you know, the season finale or, or, or whatever. You know, and I thought that that was a really interesting idea. I kind of would have liked to have seen, you know, what would have happened if he was given free reign. Um, but I guess we'll never know. Um, but, but I think it, the, the end product is, is, uh, interesting. I think that one of the interesting things is, you know, the, the series really did sort of come into its own as Braga sort of took a back seat, which is kind of the opposite of what happened with Voyager. But, uh, you know, what can you do? Sometimes you need, uh, fresh eyes to look at something and, uh, God, don't see, use fresh eyes. see where your, your, uh, don't use fresh eyes. Okay. It doesn't matter. And, and see, see where your, your, your faults may, may lie and, and, uh go from there and any final thoughts on on brandon braga josh well i think i've pretty much said my piece about him uh i i know he is like you said the star trek writer the uh, person that people like to hate i find it amusing that people will throw that word around you know hate i think he's brought a lot to trek not always for the better but he has shaped it for into pretty much what it became today uh so I, I celebrate the man. You know, I'm, I'm glad he's around. All right, Max. Like when 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 I grew up watching, you know, Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, and then Voyager, I got very frustrated with Brian Braga, and then um, he took a backseat on Enterprise, and I realized how much I liked him. <laughs> I used to fall prey to the the sort of general Star Trek fandom thing of blindly bashing Brian Braga because he's 
a very, very easy target. But when you sit back and you, and, and you look at his work and you, and you look at it, at all of the stuff that he's done, it's just like, oh my God, you know, he, he has done some of the absolute best Star Trek ever. I think the same is true with Berman. Yeah, the same is true with Berman. And it's a very I mean, strange I, realization you know, I when, spent, you, when you realize that right. like, that guy that you were so frustrated with <laughs> was responsible for a lot of the great stuff that you didn't, that no, you didn't no, notice yeah. because it was like, yeah, obviously Star Trek's great. Whatever. <laughs> Good but, job making a decent story, uh, right, Rick right, Berman. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> that's totally true. I spent 10 years hating on Rick Berman and being like, look at what he did. Did you hear what he said about that one little thing? <laughs> oh, my God. That guy is is, is, is ridiculous. You He's know, history's he, greatest monster. Yeah. Why? Oh, because he didn't he did want that one Wesley thing. to be angry with that he guy. He did that one stupid thing. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah, but what about, you know, the 13 years or whatever it is of, you know, high-quality entertainment that he also, you know, pushed out? I mean, that was the thing. B&B, &B, you know, you see it all the time on the internet. Those guys that ruin yeah. Star Trek, you know? Ugh. And it's like you, you look at it. They're so wrong. They did not... They did not ruin Star Trek. Ruin you know, Star they Trek. are are totally uh, responsible for an overwhelming majority of of uh, of quality versus versus uh, crap. Anyway, I like Brandon Braga, and and after seeing him at, at the convention and him seeing the way that he interacts with fans, like it's very strange because he gets up there and you can tell that he is totally aware of what the fans think of him. And he's kind of resigned himself to that and taken a very self-deprecating look at it. But at the same time, like, if you see interviews with him, he's kind of like, hey, man, you know what? Cut me some slack. You know? Yeah. I, come on. Like, in the, in recent Get off years, my I, threshold. I have come to like him quite a bit. Yeah. So that's it for Brandon Braga's work on Star Trek. Uh, next week, we're going to look at the only other show that he uh, created, and that's Flash Forward. Um, and then after that, it'll be our, our recap, which is our big, uh, season finale. So Josh, uh, wh where can people find you? Uh, you're on Twitter, right? Uh, yeah, barely. Um, my Twitter handle is, uh, at Josh from Mars. So yeah, be, be sure to check out the Soulless Minions of Orthodoxy. It's a uh, really good movie commentaries. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. As always, you can find us on our other show at CommentaryTrackStars.com or you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. And we will be back next week to talk about Flash Forward. Flash Forward.